Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. You know, the nice thing about doing this show with you guys is I get to laugh in spite of all the sad things that are happening in the world. Is that wrong? <laughs> well, it is because you laugh at us. <laughs> And that that seems hurtful, but I laugh at you. Yes, I, yes. I respect Jonathan and Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is good fellowship. We, uh, Still, we, we we enjoy being here. We need to do a show on the Christian theology of laughing at some point, though, because I think Christians truly are the only ones that can laugh to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's right. All right, well, it is Reformation Week. We will transition from there. Um, this coming Saturday is Reformation Day. I know, but some of you think it's Halloween. It can be both, I suppose. But it was Reformation Day first. So, Phil, what is Reformation Day? In in many churches, uh, Reformation Day is a, a, a day traditionally to remember and celebrate uh, the great movement of God's Holy Spirit that we call the Reformation, great time of, of renewal and spiritual revival uh, in the 16th century in uh, Europe. And uh, we celebrate it on October 31 because that's the day that in 1517 Martin Luther uh, published his 95 Theses, uh, which is many historians mark as the beginning of the Reformation. So. Quick plug, if you really are unfamiliar with this this event, um, Ligonier Ministries on YouTube has for free, you can watch their documentary on Luther. So if you just go to YouTube and either search for Ligonier Ministries, um, it will come up on their site, or the Luther documentary by Ligonier, and you can watch that for free. Yeah, About an it, hour and it, a half, and it will help you just understand that event. And it's excellent. It's very well done. So here we are talking about Reformation Day, something that happened over 500 years ago, and they're very no. quickly. I, I do want to say that I also no. Go uh, ahead, go ahead. No, we're, we're laughing at you again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to interrupt him. Yeah, I publicly made a confession on Sunday at, at church that probably I should make here that Reformation Day might be one of my favorite holidays of of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's to me. It's not a throwaway day. I think the day matters, mm-hmm. um, but I feel better. My conscience is now free. That's a perfect yeah. transition because it matters both historically. I mean that Latin phrase "post tenebris lux" that out of darkness or after darkness light. Um, the world was just lost and and drowning in evil and wickedness. So when the Pro- Protestant Reformation happened, I mean Western civilization exists today because of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. So. There's historical ramifications of it, but it also provides a pattern for how we look forward today. There were two things that happened during the Reformation. One of them was that God sent a revival, and then secondly, was that the church reformed. So let's talk about both of those things in terms of how a 
how it develops a pattern for us today in the modern church. So first of all, God sent revival. Secondly, the church reformed. What can we say about that? Can we, can we start with the reform part? Because I think that's at least where we have consensus with those that are in the Roman Catholic Church, that I don't think there's anybody historically that is going back in time and saying that the church didn't have problems. Um, and so the, the Catholic Reformation was a reform of some of the abuses that happened within the church, and the Catholic Reformation was headed by Catholics to, to deal with some of those issues. Um, and historically speaking, the Roman Catholic Church knew of these issues, had called councils to deal with them, and um, through a series of Lateran councils, they didn't deal with the abuses. Um, historically, what I would say as a historian, not as a pastor, I would say that if the, the Roman Catholic Church had dealt with the abuses that were existing um, in the Lateran councils, Luther would not have posted the 95 Thesis because most of his concerns, at that point at least, were more of the abuse of the church, not theological. Yeah. Some were. And so I think if there had been some of the reforms, you wouldn't have gotten to the greatness of the Reformation, which I think is really the theological um, concerns. Mm -hmm. And just today, we have issues in the church. I just read the paper today of, of the, the so-called pastor, self-appointed pastor, who um, abused a young girl. And unfortunately, that is happening not just in an isolated case in, in Idaho. It, it's happening all over the country, all over the world, where people are abused by those that are in church leadership, mm -hmm. unfortunately, um, which shows, again, that there's still abuse inside of the, of the church that needs reformed. Well, there's always been there's always been certain things like that. One doesn't have to go to world history; they can go to the history of the Word of God, the history of the Bible. I mean, one of the one of the kings that followed the most wicked king in all the in all of Israel, Manasseh, was the most wicked king. He set up all kinds. Of, he, he set up cult prostitute. He set up um, he set up uh, um, an ashtra in the temple of of God, where God's name dwelt. He had all these different things. After he passed away, his son came in, did the same wickedness. And then following that, there was uh, King Josiah, eight-year-old. They put him in, in position. The first thing he started to do was clean up the temple. They found uh, a book there, which happened to be the law of God. And he read it. And the reform started with him because what, he, what it did, it caused him to weep and, and it caused him to tremble at the word of God. And as a result of that, there were, there, you know, as a king could do, there were a lot of outward reforms that took place. You know, when you change, you know, I mean, the law of God does do that. Sometimes it changes outwardly how people behave. But the inward uh, reform would still have to take place. The end, you know, the, the revival of the heart had to take place. Uh, even under Josiah, after Josiah passed away, there wasn't a true revival of the heart. I, last Sunday, I was preaching more or less a Reformation sermon. We were we were dealing with Jeremiah chapter seven, and uh, you know, here's Josiah's been passed away. Uh, Jeremiah lived during those reforms, and and the people are going actually up to the temple uh, uh, to to worship. And one of the you know we talked about the Psalms uh, of ascent. They were on their way up during one of those feast times. And they're, and they're going, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, their temple of the Lord. It was all an external thing. And he told them they needed to amend their heart. Mm -hmm. that was, and that's where the revival takes place. Mm -hmm. uh, and, he, and, do it by the, and the word of God came to him 
saying, amend your way. Mm-hmm. And the Reformation of the 16th century was, was also, uh, at the heart of it, a rediscovery of the Word of God and putting the Word of God into the hands of the people. And there were historical developments going on at that time that made that possible. The, the advent of the printing press um, made it possible uh, for uh, many, many people to get a Bible in their hands for the first time. Um, and uh, the Reformers uh, began translating the Bible into the vernacular uh, languages of the people and uh, people were hearing the Bible in their own language instead of Latin yeah. uh, for the first time. And uh, uh, the Word of God uh, revolutionized uh, Luther's heart and uh, spread from there. I, I, I do love that quote by Martin Luther where he says, Take me for example, I opposed indulgences in all papists but never by force. I simply taught and preached, wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And then while I, slank, while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friend Philip of Amsdorf, the word so greatly wakened the papacy that never a prince or emperor did such damage to it. I did nothing. The word did it all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe one of the parallels between the Reformation and today during the Reformation, there was a lack of the Word of God because the church was suppressing it and there wasn't physical Bibles until the, the printing press. Today, go to any Christian home in America and maybe even non-Christians and you'll probably find multiple Bibles on their shelf. The problem is not there's a lack of Bibles. The problem is that people aren't turning to the Word of God. There's mm-hmm. biblical illiteracy and, and you know... Uh, and Paul, I would say there's biblical illiteracy in way too many pulpits. Absolutely. Absolutely, and this mm-hmm. is you know Luther when he was he was preaching probably didn't look like a lot of the the pulpit preaching that we see today. I mean, and he wasn't doing anything. We we don't look at the Reformation and say, oh, thank God for these brilliant men. We are thankful for the brilliant men, but what did they do? They they opened up the Word of God and then they let the lion out, as Spurgeon mm-hmm. used to say. Mm-hmm. You know, the Word of God is like a lion. You just need to open up the cage. And the problem with with much of of and I'll say, brothers, I, I've been a part of that type of system for a, a lot of years prior to me coming where I'm at. But man, if we treat the Word of God just like any other book, um, that will create destruction in society, yeah. in our own yeah. homes. Well, and um, as, as Russ was saying a moment ago, even in, even in many uh, Christian pulpits, the Bible has fallen silent. Preaching in, in, in too many churches has become, and you guys know my, my little phrase, helpful hints for happy living. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's become kind of a mass therapy, uh, and to solve your problems, your, your emotional struggles and salt it with a little, maybe a Bible verse, uh, here and there. But the actual content of the Bible is, is in, uh, sadly in many churches not being proclaimed. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, a Bible passage or verse will be read at the at the beginning which is just a springboard to unfortunately what the the minister wants to say themselves yeah um and my prayer is that god as he did after the reformation would raise up godly men who would say what i have to say doesn't really matter yeah that the people needs to to hear god's voice yeah 
And, and God's voice is heard as we exegete and then preach yep. what God's Word says. I was just preaching in 1 Corinthians 4 this last week, and Paul describes all ministers, all pastors as uh, servants of Christ, which is translated as an under rower, like of, of a ship, literally like a third tier galley slave and stewards of the mysteries of God. They own, Their only job is to take, like Calvin said, from hand to hand, from God, what God is telling them, and hand it off to the people. And and if they're doing anything other than that, they're being unfaithful. Mm-hmm. That's our job is to only take the words of God and bring it to the people of God. And well, I, I would I would also say uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put all the burden when, when we talk about the the need for biblical preaching today. Um, I wouldn't put all the burden on the preachers. Uh, obviously, that's key, but. Uh, we need a laity that knows the word of God when they hear it. Mm, In in fact, I would say, and I I don't know if I can speak for you guys, but for for myself, the most satisfying thing as a a preacher when I'm preaching the word is not to see, the most satisfying thing is not to see faces going, wow, I've never heard that before, or that a look of surprise no, what's what, what's most satisfying to preacher is the look of recognition. Yes, that's the gospel. Amen. That's mm-hmm. the word. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I would say that we need to rediscover the word of God in our homes. Yeah. Um, I would just put a plug out there for for husbands and fathers to to wash your your wives in the word and instruct your your children in the word that may the word of god permeate each of our hearts and and each of our homes amen Mm -hmm. well you've been listening to the gospel for life we will see you next time 